1: forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.
0: You are listening
2: to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.
1: Well, hello, everyone.
0: Hello, party people. I feel like we haven't done this in a A while. A musical episode? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the Shameless Section. No, 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 no. Just kidding. We're not doing that. No, we're not. We are keeping our... Usual setup and not changing it up to a musical.
1: No, we're going to keep it just as it is. So, this episode is with Dr. Jen Madness to Mindfulness Reinventing Sex for Women. And I just want to put it out there that this isn't just for cis women. Um, This is for actually all folks in terms of how we are told certain messages, but who should be as sexual beings, and that's the madness, and that we can use mindfulness to actually recreate. Um, the sex life that we want to live or actually more designed to live that is uniquely ours. This is... Don't um, you know?
0: It was really one of my favorite episodes that we've done. No joke. Well, it kind of
1: is very much aligned with shameless sex, which is so interesting that we we heard her speak. We're like, wait... Are you part of
0: our podcast? You're just... She's I'm awesome. Yeah, she's she's just a really powerful... So yeah, just stay passionate. tuned. As, I just wanted to back up your, yeah. your uh, statement on that because it is... It's a really great episode. I yeah. absolutely loved recording it.
1: Yeah, it is very useful information. So before we dive in, we have a couple of things. We have a testimonial... Um, from someone that actually is calling us out on something that we would like to own, um, lovingly calling us out, we love that. We love when people lovingly call us out. We also have a sex question that is about a sex doll, which should be fun and interesting. Um, also, I haven't heard the question. Yeah, yet, you, but you were like, "Did know. you read
0: that question?" I was like, "No." You're like, "Perfect." Oh, we are going it. into it. I
1: love to throw you for a loop with the sex questions. Like I know. I'm like, "Oh shit!" Um, the the person that was wanking to us that was great.
0: I, I love yeah, that. I uh, love that one.
1: So um, I just got back from Burning Man. I'm not going to talk too much about Burning Man as my eighth year at Burning Man, but I immediately went into surgery that um, I knew I was going to have a couple days after getting back. It was a minor surgery. I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast, but um, I get cysts on my Bartholin's glands, which are two glands that you have on each side um, vulva owners have that are responsible for vaginal lubrication. The fluid that they produce, I think, is similar to the same as like similar to the precum that a penis would produce, where it's that clear, silky fluid that you produce when you're aroused, like initial arousal. And I really don't produce that fluid. I haven't for years, since my early 20s. Or maybe if I do, it's just a little bit. I get, and you get fluid from other places. You don't only get vaginal lubrication from that, those places. But one side has been pretty blocked and has been a good-sized cyst. And in the last month or two, since I've got my arousal back, it got really huge. And the other side, it, gets turned, it is a little cyst, but it's not massive. It's draining a little bit. And so I had the surgery... And I just wanted to put that out there to people because I don't think this is super common. I have met a couple other women that are dealing with this. Um, and I personally have started been dealing with it since my mid-20s. Um, and I uh, finally opted to do a surgery called a marsupialization where they go and kind of essentially create a new tube for the fluid to travel out from this, this um from this gland to travel out into my vaginal canal. I think that they sewed it and it's actually going into my um, my hymen, which is another fun fact about hymen. People people think hymen, we only have a hymen when before we lose our virginity, my favorite term. Um, no, we I still have a hymen. We all still have hymens, actually. Um, they don't disappear and go away. So um, just want to put that out there, though. If anyone is dealing with this, feel free to send us emails and um, I can give you more feedback on uh, this surgery that I did. But so far, I'm really happy with it and saw a really great doc- doctor. And fun fact, I actually just got aroused, uh, this morning and I got the surgery two days ago and I saw that fucking fluid. It came back. The fluid that I haven't seen, like that... um, Was it painful to get aroused, though? No, not at all. With the stitches and stuff? No, I have stitches in my bits. I have stitches on two sides of my bits. It's not super painful. And I got aroused and I saw that same fluid, you know, might have some blood (laughs) mixed with it because it's healing. But it wasn't... But I saw, I was like, oh my God, that fluid that I haven't seen since my, um, like, late 20s. Oh. No, last time I remember seeing it, I was like 27 or 28. And then it kind of disappeared. So um, I'm really excited about this, and I'm currently healing. And April picked me up from the doctor. I was in a wheelchair all high after you anesthesia. High. I was like, oh, there. I was like, like, where's your dog? Yeah.
0: I was like, he's in the back.
1: Yeah. So I'm in healing, and I have stitches in my bits right now, but um, it's not painful.
0: Okay. Testimony no reason to, to, watch, to binge watch Euphoria on HBO. Oh, my gosh. What did you talk about in this episode? Totally.
1: Yeah. I watched the whole season in one day, by oh, the I'm way. Sure. Made me it's really happy to not be a drug addict. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, testimonial. This is from a listener, and we and we really appreciate it. it's it's a partially a testimonial and also them uh, setting us straight about some things that we may have not done perfectly. And again, we recommend we we not rec- we we uh, res- encourage, encourage this. We are happy to own our parts where we could have done better. So this listener says, I'd like to start by saying that I listened to your, I started listening to your podcast a few months ago and I've completely devoured it. It's pretty amazing. Unfortunately, I heard some really alarming perspectives on the bonus episode number 48, Sex, Drugs and More Sex. You were discussing using and abusing power in a sexual encounter, and April was speaking on it being a decision to somewhat allow this type of control and manipulation, also using a personal experience where she had said no in a similar position. This is highly problematic to portray the idea that everyone has the same uh, option to say no. We are then assuming that the quality of your environment, social or cultural identities, education, and mental health are at the same standards for all. Plenty of women have been... stuck in situations where it was fight or flight and they didn't feel that they had the option left or left or anyone to turn to i love you both power to all the shameless sex let's remember not everyone has the same privilege to say no in certain situations and let's keep creating a new level of support thank you for putting all these wonderful educational sexy topics out there and giving all of us sexual beings a place to breathe and not feel totally weird I really appreciated this. I don't remember exactly what we said or what the stories were, what we, um, what what you shared, but I just appreciate. I like the part that, um that assuming that everyone is the same. And and I I personally think that like, you know, my privileged life, I I do forget that just because I have the ability to say no at times and be that strong, empowered woman and set down, you know, boundaries and rules that doesn't, that I I think I forget that um, other people who might not live such a privileged life don't necessarily have that ability. Yeah. So I really liked this, this, that kind of highlighting of, um, how we may have missed that part. So and
0: I, I think it's it's uh, important to note that uh, that situation that I was talking about, I grew up with a lot of adversity. I'm self-made. I have paved my way and I tend to be leaning on a smart spectrum. I love my intelligence. I appreciate it. And I was savvy enough to get the fuck out of that situation. And I understand that folks aren't always... Yes, of the same mental capacity or they might be in really traumatic situations where they don't have options. They don't have anywhere to go. And the thing is, it's like hopefully those folks can find a way because if you try and you try again, hopefully you can find a way. However, it is good to honor those people out there that are not able to to. Figure out how to how to escape, how well, to get out of it.
1: Well, and if you're stuck, right, you literally feel like you're stuck. And then when fight or flight kicks in, too. By the way, I mean that is some hard shit to overcome. That that talk about being stuck. You're run by a primal, you know, mechanical operating system. And then if you're already living in, a, you know, social or cultural or environmental conditions where you don't have access to support or other options, literally your survival depends on it. Not everyone has the ability to say no. So I think that's what this person's highlighting is like, you know, for you um, and for me, our, it's not really about survival necessarily for us. No. We're going to fucking be okay. But for a lot of people, it is about survival and they still, you know, the fight or flight makes makes it so that they can't necessarily, there is not a choice. You I just so hope at some point,
0: just the, the people that are doing the violating will just
1: figure it out figure
0: it you know, out fuckers. and then it would make it easier for everyone <laughs> yes. to live in harmony peace love and harmony yeah. Mike drop we're out of a job
1: <laughs> yeah that's true we would be out of a job we would but be. still we would we really don't wish harm upon no. anyone um, and this podcast why one reason why we wanted this to be on this podcast is because one thing that Dr. Jen talks about is the um, you know the shame and the trauma that a lot of women are living with and the messages that were given and these terrible situations that are um, that are constantly, I mean, it's not just women, but just that's why we wanted to highlight that here. Uh, I just thought it was a really important podcast to share. So don't worry, there will be juicy stuff, but this is also really important, especially during these times. We're really living in a time where we are highlighting the diversity of sexual experiences, and it is beyond what my experience is and beyond what yours is. And there's so many things, cultural, environmental, education, social, you know, social that, com- that contribute to um, the experiences that we have.
0: I also share something on this podcast that I I haven't shared before that pertains to what that yeah. uh, listener's testimonial slash feedback was. And I was shamed for something that was pretty heavy and yeah. that I wore on my armor of shame for quite a while. And so, yeah, stay tuned because you'll hear some of that. So, You've been
1: outing a lot of good shit in this podcast.
0: I know. Keep going. I'm proud of Keep you. listening. Yep. I have more nuggets in there probably somewhere.
1: Speaking of nuggets, you ready for a spicy sex
0: question? Ooh, yeah, yeah.
1: My husband and I have recently gone through a tough patch and we were not connected at all. Mostly his avoidance of intimacy and sex. He finally opened up completely about his fear of intimacy and even told me that he had a sex doll. He said he didn't want any secrets between us. He answered all my questions and it was then that he broke down in tears. I was totally accepting of the doll. I was present, accepting, and it was in that moment he said everything changed for him. He even took me downstairs to see the doll. It was pretty fucking hot. He said he had a total, he had total trust, and he had these feelings he's never had before not wanting to be avoidant anymore. We are now fucking like newlyweds. I told him I wanted to see the doll more. He said next time I get off work, he will have her out and set up, and then maybe I can help him give her a bath, spray bottle and cloth, and then powder her down. My question to you is, I was going to try and change the bath into a threesome with him and the doll. I need ideas on how... On things to do, positions and whatnot that would include myself and the doll to turn him on? Fucking awesome question. Well, (laughs) I... Well, the
0: thing is about... We're in 2019. Yes. Sex dolls are... So amazing compared to the, they're not like the blow up inflatable ones yeah. anymore. Where you're like, oh, where they have just
1: like the whole gaping yeah. Whole like, oh. And they're they're like <laughs> so, in
0: my opinion, scary. I didn't; I, those things freaked me out. I was like, what? There was nothing. Remember that's when we about sold them? at Pure Pleasure? We had like the yeah. Belladonna doll, oh yeah. And I was like, that is freaky. And it never looks like the actual porn star. No, like it a- was really weird. It was inflatable. Yeah. And so the fact that now you can go on and look at these dolls, and they really can become interesting to look at there's no consent needed. They're sex dolls. Mm-hmm. So you could bring in a third robot slash doll into your sexual experience with a partner. It's not gonna like you take it's, it's not, not fall in love with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's I think this is this is uh I love that they shared this and thank you. And I love the fact that they're asking for some tips and tricks to uh you know, have a threesome with, yeah. with the, with well, the originally doll. originally
1: it was, it was going to turn into a bath and they're like, actually, I want to t- turn it into a threesome. And uh, so honestly, I actually don't have the answer to this question. I don't know anything about sex I positions it, with a sex I doll. I think it would
0: be cool to, this is only my, my opinion and my feedback, to almost have the doll... Embody the things that maybe you really like, or and are too Ooh. afraid to share, or maybe not. you're maybe you are not afraid. You haven't even gone there, or explored yet. And you could do those things, and then the next experience, you could be like, "Remember what we did with Bianca, or whatever her name is."
1: My, I'm, I'm wondering, is the doll the third? Like, is the doll the unicorn? The the is is the doll like the 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 side lover that comes in? I mean, you could paint this as like a three cent hot. Scenario, you know, it's a scene. Yeah. And so, does the doll come in and join you two? Is the doll the center of attention? Is your partner the center of attention? Well, the beauty of it
0: is, it could always shift.
1: Yeah, you could. It could Every shift. But it might story. be a really yeah. great opportunity, like you were saying, to p- turn it into a whole scene and put a lot of thought into it, and like write this whole erotica story, tie her
0: up or, yeah. or something like, and come in and or, oh, yeah. who is this that we have here? Yeah. How amazing! Oh, fancy and you maybe here. she's tied up in different positions yeah. where, uh, you know, different things are exposed or, or maybe she's or... the dom she's just like or, yeah. or she's
1: just sitting in the corner watching you two fuck and then like you crawl over to her and you go down on her while he's fucking you from behind I mean the possibilities are limitless End- endless all the things that you, you could, could really do. do
0: so much with this, this so is very exciting the 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 answer to this question is the world is your oyster and you're awesome open that shit up and just take advantage
1: yeah but I think like what, what, what some of the things is like put some thought into it before like what would turn you on and maybe check in with him too. like you know, you're going to turn into a threesome without checking in with me. That's cool. You you might want to ask, still ask him about that and be, the, be just to see where he's at with that, too. But so maybe the bath, it turns into like, hey, what if we started doing this? What would turn you on? You know, what is the scenario? And then paint it out. But God, this is I love questions like I mean, I love all questions, but I love fun,
0: playful ones. I'm like, well, this is hey, totally out of the box. I wouldn't have uh, really expected it. So thank you for. Mm-hmm writing us and asking us and
1: have fun. Good
0: luck on your journey. Yeah. I think it's going to be a beautiful one. It's going to
1: be great. All right. So I'm going to read a bio. Jennifer Gonzalez. It is spelled G U N S -S A U L L U S. German. It's German. German. Yeah. Gonzalez, PhD, sociologist and intimacy coach is a national speaker on couples, intimacy, sexual consent, women's empowerment, gender communication, erotic play and mindful sex. She has presented two TEDx Talks, and as April and are saying, soon to be just TED Talks, because we're rooting for her. She's an amazing speaker. She's a co-host of the podcast Sex Talk with Clint and the Doc, and her first, first book, From Madness to Mindfulness, Reinventing Sex for Women, was just released in August 2019. Dr. Jen has over 1.5 million hits on her In the Den with Dr. Jen, that's two N's j-e-n-n youtube video series and is an expert in the documentary on masturbation called sticky a self-love story to learn more visit dr that's d-r-j-e-n-n-s-d-e-n.com and
0: we're gonna dive in but before we do this podcast is made possible by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for you or your man's family jewels. I'm personally a huge fan of a well-trimmed bush. That's why I recently gave my partner Manscaped's redesigned electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 2.0, and he absolutely loves it. With its skin-safe technology, this trimmer won't nick or snag any nuts.
1: Manscaped also has a crop cleanser, a crop reviver, a.k.a. for your goods, and best of all, the Crop Preserver, a fabulous ball deodorant for anti-chafing. Dripping with perspiration from living life on the go, going for a sweaty bike ride, or perhaps you're getting clammy during the awkward first date, Manscaped's Crop Preserver will keep you fresh and dry just when you need it. And guess what? Our listeners get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHAMELESS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code SHAMELESS and your bits will thank you for it. This podcast is also made possible by Audible Escape. Audible Escape offers unlimited listening to thousands of love stories that have the ability to whisk you away no
0: matter where you are. I've been an avid Audible listener for years because I love that I can listen to just about anything I want to while I'm on the go. And now, with Audible's newest offering, I can escape from a chaotic day with a heartwarming love story. I'm currently deep into Jane Austen's romantic classic, Sense and Sensibility. And I can't help but get lost in the timeless tale of love, romance, and total heartbreak. And I adore the narrator's soothing British accent. It just makes the perfect romantic read.
1: And guess what? It's free to try for your first month and then only $12.95 a month after. Download the app and fill your life with more love. Visit audible.com slash shameless to get started. That's audible.com backslash shameless. And if you love, love, you'll love Audible Escape. Go check it out. And now back to the show. All right, everyone. Episode time once again. This podcast, as you know from the intro, is on mindful or mad- Sorry, madness
0: to mindfulness, reinventing sex for women. We're actually changing things up today, and we're going to do a musical podcast. Oh, yeah. Get ready, Amy. <laughs> this is April's delirious. She needs more mindfulness. We lost my- like 3,000 <laughs> listeners, right? They're like, damn it, these that's bitches that's are singing I now. <laughs>
2: <to> sing <there.
1: laughs> I did not sign up for this podcast. All right. Um, so, Jennifer, you go by Jen, Dr. Jen, right?
2: Often Dr. Jen, yeah. Dr. Jen. Boss, How, Queen, Boss, Queen. Boss Queen. Boss Queen Jen. How do we pronounce your last name again? It's Gonzalez. It's Gonzalez. The German version. Yeah, I was
1: like, that is Gonzalez? Really? Right,
2: I know. Gonzalez. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay. I know.
1: Got it. So Jennifer Gonzalez, PhD, here to teach us all about all this madness that we're living in and how to go to <laughs> mindfulness. You were specifically talking about uh, women here. But let, before we dive into the topic, how did you get to where you are today? I'm sure you experienced a lot of madness. <laughs> so,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> so there's a good start mm-hmm. um, in a small town in Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia, and was raised with all of those uh, for many of us, what are typical, quote unquote, good girl messages, you know, following the rules and you, you know, you put the needs of others first and, you know, sex is a shameful thing or something you don't talk about, or certainly, you know, never taught about the clitoris or, or our pleasure or anything like that. None of that's normalized. And so definitely was raised, um, just in our society and, and religious wise around a lot of that what I call madness. Um, but my, uh, I went to Lehigh university in Pennsylvania and my roommate, my sophomore year became a sexual health peer educator. And so I was, you know, the folks that go around to the dorms and do condom demonstrations and talk about safer sex. And, um, and she was having fun with the group. And I was like, well, that looks like a fun group to join. And plus at that time I didn't have any public speaking skills and I was really uncomfortable Um, just, you know, sometimes raising my hand in class, but certainly doing class presentations. And so I was like, well, I, you know, I figure if you can get up and talk about sex, you can probably talk about anything, (laughs) which turns out to be quite true. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I joined that group and then became super fascinated, um, about how people make decisions around sex and gender differences and how we're raised and around Uh, what gender roles we've been socialized into and people's comfort or lack of comfort around condom use or negotiating condom use, uh, all of those factors. So that's how, I mean, and at this point, that was over 25 years ago um, that I started in the field and then went on to get my PhD in sociology um, and getting involved with the vagina monologues. And my dissertation had to do with HIV prevention programs, targeting adult women. Um, So I got into this field definitely through the sexual health realm, um, and then through the, you know, and through the sex education and the activist realm as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then I've been in San Diego for almost 16 years and, and really bringing a much more holistic mind, body, spirit approach into my work.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems since you've been in this work for now 20, almost 25 years, you said?
2: Yeah, since I started. Yeah. So in and out of it, but yeah.
0: I'm sure you've seen the ebb and flow and the and the, the tides of the sexual madness changing and it, it's, a, I think, a good time to ask you exactly what do you mean by sexual madness and kind of what is that sexual madness? Because I know it's specifically, we're talking about women and not necessarily cis women, but uh, folks that identify as women. Uh, but how does that impact women and their sex lives, the sexual madness?
2: Yeah, <laughs> the sexual madness that I speak of uh, in my new book is looking at um, particularly if you were, if you were um, you know, labeled a female at birth and then therefore socialized into what that means in our society and treated in that way, um, you were raised with a lot of, you know, what I said, those quote unquote good girl ideologies. Um, and a lot of, you know, what I'm calling the madness is that so much of what we're trained in as girls and young women is to, to view our body as the enemy, to feel um, sexual shame for having desire Um, not even knowing that our desire is normal, Uh, not being taught about masturbation or clitoris or that it's okay to explore your body. Um, So, um, you know, faking orgasms, coercion culture that we live in, blaming women for rape. Like there's just so many components of it. Um, And that's all what I'm calling the madness. And then as adult women, we're supposed to flip a switch and be like, oh, sex is great. And I'm open and able to share my sexual desire and pleasure with you, my lifetime heterosexual partner, you know, we have this like crazy limited version of what it's supposed to look like. And it's, it's, um, it just doesn't work that way. You don't get, you don't get all of these negative, um, programmed messages into you and then just flip the switch yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, um, enjoy your sex life and be in touch with yourself and, and just be done with the shame or embarrassment around these topics. And then so many women think there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. that they're broken in some way. So all of that is what I'm, you know, as a sociologist calling uh, the madness, sexual madness.
1: That's So, I, okay. So I got surgery uh, recently and April gave me the login to HBO uh, Now program. Sorry, HBO. Don't get you
0: all get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and I started watching this show called Euphoria. Have you heard of it? no Okay. so it's it's. I mean it's like a whole bunch of young teens Um. it's and t- they take a lot of drugs and there's a lot of sex but a lot of it is there's like one of the just super douchey guys and there's like essentially you you there's there's like sluts and prudes you know there's so this message is to, to these young girls that is and it's not just the you know the boys that are giving to them the girls are saying this about each other as well but there's this idea that you're either a slut or prude and they're both bad and you don't want to be either but if you're one you're fucked and if you're the other you're fucked. And then you grow up, like you're saying, you grow up and all of a sudden now you're supposed to have it all figured out when you lived your whole teenage life trying to run from actually not fitting in anywhere uh, or it was the ideas of where you were supposed to be. And I know this is different for everyone. Like when I saw that, I was like, that was not my upbringing. Yet there there was some subtle ways that that was definitely there. Um, and I know, I want to also say that I know that there's, there's hard for, for cis men too. There are different ideas with masculinity. that are very tricky. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. don't want to be the creepy rapey guy. You also don't want to be the too soft guy. So I know it's, that's also confusing. And so I don't want to discredit the fact that, um, that, again, we're, we're talking specifically for, for women here. Um, but yeah. that, that is, that is available or not available, but exists for, um, men yeah. as well.
2: And I, I speak to that um, in one part of my book, while the focus is on women and folks that were raised as, as girls and female in our society. I speak to, I mean, these gender roles keep us all in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, these gender roles teach us all what's normal, quote unquote, and natural. And, um, and we're policed by other people. If we, you know, try to act or dress or behave in a way that's outside the box of our expected gender role, and we could be shamed or, or, you know, or stigmatized for it or abused for it. Um, And so then we learn to police ourselves and keep ourselves in those boxes. Um, And, you know, and I talked a lot about what the, you know, the impact on women, but yeah, the impact on many men, if they're raised with the, the heteronormative version of masculinity, Um, Is that they're supposed to be in charge and go for what they want, and not take a no and never show weakness and not show not express their emotions, um, except anger. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, and so they lose touch with their own emotional needs. Um, Oftentimes, we literally train emotional intelligence out of our boys and young men. Um, and then, you know, and then they're not in touch with themselves and they have anger issues and they can't have intimate relationships. And they're more likely to, you know, be coercive, um, in sexual encounters and not even know it, um, or to be abusive. Um, and so they're not happy. The relationships aren't happy. Women aren't happy. Their kids aren't happy. And society's not happy. (laughs) So uh, this is bad for everybody involved and not that there's not beautiful aspects of masculinity. Um, there's many versions of masculinity. We just have a, a mainstream version that can be quite harmful um, to men um, and to women and to, to society, um, especially around sex and intimacy topics.
1: So how does mindfulness fit in here then? I think, I, and I just want to also point out for, for folks who are like, oh, mindfulness is the M word, right? Like meditation. Oh now Here's those hippies go talking about <laughs> really challenging things that drive me crazy. Cause I, it's hard to do or, you know, or it's, I mean, because it, presence is, is a challenge. And we talk about this in our podcast often. We say, um, you know, when we're helping people with their sex and relationship, the questions that they're asking, it is, you know, are you in your body? Are you being present for your emotions? Are you speaking to them? Are you even allowing yourself to feel what is there? Um, can you talk more about mindfulness skills and how they can change the course of a woman's sex life and intimacy?
2: Yeah. And I, so I teach what I call applied mindfulness skills. So while, you know, mindfulness learned through meditation and formal meditation practices is incredibly powerful and, and everybody should do that. (laughs) Many folks just won't. Um, and in today's society, so I teach, um, applied mindfulness in terms of noticing, um, specifically what's happening in any moment that you feel like you want to shut down, or lash out, or distract yourself, or numb yourself, or or run away um, from a conversation, or a thought, or a feeling. And so, you know, your your partner brings up, "Hey, it's been a few months since we've had sex. Can we talk about that?" And like you get triggered, <laughs> you know what? And what that trigger could be any of those things. Like I said, you could lash out, you could shut down, you could distract, you could blame all sorts of things we do to not be in the moment with something that feels really uncomfortable. So that's what I teach women to do. I pull, I pull back the layers of that and teach them how to notice what are your belief systems in that moment? What are your interpretations? What meaning does that question have to you? Um, what emotions do you have? Everything from fear to disappointment, to rejection, to anxiety, to shame, to humiliation, um, to sadness. Um, and then literally, where do you feel that in your body? Um, you know, so is your head kind of buzzing? Do you feel constriction in your throat? Um, do you have a prickly feeling in your chest or your solar plexus have like a hollow feeling or, or like a dropping feeling or a nauseous feeling in your belly? Like all of that, um, feels really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, that's all, you know, you're doing mindfulness, right? It feels yeah. bad. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. You're not like, Oh, this is <laughs> really fun. I know. I don't start that as my selling point for mindfulness. <laughs> you know, you're doing it right when it feels really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <have it. laughs> Um, but that's, I mean, it's, it's learning to sit with that discomfort Mm. in any given moment. That's where the magic happens in our lives. That's where that level of dropping into vulnerability and authenticity through mindfulness and also self-compassion, you know, being kind to yourself because this is hard and it feels bad. Like that is where all of our potential lies for having the type of, um, in depth of intimacy, we all really crave in relationships. So, um, pulling back those layers of, yeah, all of that discomfort in the moment. I help women learn to identify it. Um, all those different aspects of thoughts, emotions, bodily sensations. I teach them how to sit with it and breathe through it, how to drop the story and just be with the raw sensations. Mm. Um, and then what can you do differently then? Cause now all of a sudden you didn't go off on a pattern that's been programmed into you for 15 years. You actually stayed present with it. And now, now you have choices that didn't exist before. And I genuinely think that is the epitome of empowerment Mm -hmm. choices where we didn't have choices before. Mm -hmm. Um, and around sex and intimacy, we often don't have many choices, um, or, or don't realize there can be other ways of doing things. So, um, yeah. And so applying that approach, you know, all of the madness we talked about, about childhood messages, you know, I I have women, and in each chapter in my book ends with worksheets. You know, so women can actually write in, and and you know, be in process in this throughout the book of sitting with. You know, what 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 were your early sexual experiences? What did you learn about intimacy? What did you learn? It means to be a woman. Um, what, what shame do you carry? What were your religious messages? All of those things, and shining a bright light on them, and then seeing where are the, you know, where does it still live in you in ways that's that's interfering um, with the type of intimacy and connection and pleasure that you're looking for. So um, that's a really great, you know, starting point. And then also applying all of that to patterns in relationships, um, you know, where you shut down communication and bringing that same type of presence. um, And then also in the moment in sexual encounters, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, essentially in the moment, how do you attune to your pleasure and attune to your partner and, you know, emotions and, and physical attunement.
0: Okay, y'all, time for a quick break. This podcast is made possible by some of our favorite things. Uberloop is one of them. It's a luxurious lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. Seriously? There are hundreds of doctors who recommend Uberloop to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter, or for folks who are experiencing dryness. Amy, I know you love Uberloop too. What do you love? I love Uberloop because it has no flavor, no scent, and it feels
1: absolutely amazing on my body. In fact, I want it everywhere. I even use it in my hair for my hair frizzies. Massage and it can also prevent chafing. Oh, and the bottle is gorgeous, it's discreet and looks like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, go check out uberlube.com, use coupon code shamelesssex, and you get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com, code shamelesssex, and 10%
0: off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com omgs is a research-based online program that helps you add more sexy things to your menu omgs studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva amy tell us why you love omgs I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for
1: years and it has changed their lives. Whether you're already having good orgasms and want to have even better orgasms, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime or even learn how to pleasure someone else's vulva, OMGS will have something for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD that money can buy. To learn more, visit omgs.com backslash shameless and our listeners get $5 off. That's omgs.com backslash shameless. You get $5 off. Go check it out now and back to the
0: show. So this seems like a book. At first when I was reading kind of the title, because I haven't read the book yet because it just launched right last month, mm-hmm. which is this is September yeah, now, a... August, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Congrats on that. Uh I was like, okay, so this is maybe for folks that are struggling with uh, their, maybe their sex lives, they're living in that sexual madness. It seems though, from just speaking with you that this is for every human, maybe I don't want to say every vulva owning human, but anybody could benefit from this. Obviously, if they're they're at an age where they can take on the information, because you could always... improve on, on getting in tune with, with your, with yourself and your body. So that to me is just, it's an observation, but I thought interesting to share. So I, or do you agree or do you? Or, or, Absolutely. Okay.
2: This, this book, it's funny. Cause there's force that on you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I totally am I right. Or am I right? What are you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are right. <laughs> um, the, the, yeah, these basic mindfulness skills are basic, basic, you know, like personal growth skills. And so anybody, anybody that's working on personal growth, but specifically around emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, absolutely. Um, so many of the skills and exercises in the book are for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's kind of, I feel like this is kind of four books or three books in one, um, in that there's a lot, of, there's a lot of fair amount of personal stories that I share and each chapter starts with a personal story. Um, there's also, um, chapter one is my sex madness chapter. And as a sociologist, I'm sharing a lot of what I think is the most interesting research that helps women see that if you think you're alone and all your struggles or you're broken in some way, it is totally not you sister. Like just look at the research of what's out there around orgasm and masturbation and sex education and coercion culture and all those things. And so that's kind of its own little separate piece. Um, And then I have, you know, the mindfulness chapter on its own, which would be fantastic for anybody to read um, and really get this version, you know, especially for folks that are like, I want to be practicing meditation or mindfulness. I feel like this would be helpful. I just can't seem to sit down and do formal practices. If you want an applied version of it, that you can immediately start improving. Um, your relationships with others and your communication, then definitely, you know, check out chapter two is the mindfulness chapter. And then chapter three applies it to to relationships um, and how to have conversations and how to, you know, cultivate gratitude for your partner and appreciation and um, all sorts of ways of of moving towards uncomfortable conversations instead of away from them. Mm -hmm. And how do you cultivate that level of vulnerability with your partner? And then chapter four applies it specifically to sex desire and passion.
1: One thing that came to mind, we were talking about before we got in the call about Burning Man, because I just came back from Burning Man. And I was saying this at Burning Man this year. I was like, this Burning Man is a test of how comfortable I can get with discomfort. Like it's a constant <laughs> test, yeah. a constant reminder that life is not about being comfortable. That that in Burning Man is everything under a magnifying glass of like, wow, this is really amazing or really fucking hard. And like, how comfortable can I get with that? Or, and maybe comfortable is not the right word, but how much can I embrace discomfort as as part of the human experience, as part of living life fully and that it's not always sunshine and rainbows and joy and ease. In fact, it usually isn't. Um, I think more often than not, or if it is for you, then life might also be a little um, dull or dim perhaps if it's just all super easy. Um uh, so that's just one thing that came to keep in mind for me like oh yeah i i understand that piece Can we talk a little more about because this podcast we talk i mean we're shameless sex we talk about shame all the time and um, and we have so many listeners that send us emails that have shame or they have trauma um, what are some of the ways that women can overcome sexual shame and embarrassment around sex topics and expressing their needs
2: yeah and shame is and that's 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 a core topic that i address in the book um it's so, um, such a tricky topic, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why we have a whole podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. um, because you know, when you, right, we know when we feel shame, we don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. we don't want to think about it, we don't want to feel it because it is such a deeply shitty feeling, mm-hmm. um, that we just want to bury our heads in the sand, and so it's so tricky that way and because then when we keep it in silence and we keep it hidden it just festers you know in the shadows of our life and it and it undermines us in the long run and undermines our ability to connect with others and certainly our ability to to love ourselves let alone like ourselves so um this whole process of um Choosing to move towards that discomfort, and and you said it, you know, getting comfortable with discomfort. That's exactly that is probably that's the whole intent of my book, mm-hmm. <laughs> and specifically getting um, comfortable with the discomfort of sexual shame <laughs> and embarrassment. And so, I think it's super helpful, you know, this the the somatic aspect of mindfulness, where you locate in your body where you're feeling something. That level of presence is so like, that's the part that's really hard, but it's so like something switches when you're willing to stay that present with the raw, uncomfortable sensations in a moment, especially around sexual shame, which we tend to feel a lot in our chest. We feel it in our solar plexus and then we feel it up into our faces because we often will get flushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a... um it's, it's like a foundational crappy feeling. <laughs> if that was a definition for an emotion, that's the one. Um, and so, but, but learning to actually move towards that and not run from it, even if it's for 30 seconds, just to breathe in and locate, okay, where is that? How big is it? How would I describe the shape of it? Does it have a color? Um, you know, sometimes it, it's like prickly and sometimes it's swirly. And I have clients do this exercise, which is the most sort of, bizarre, abstract exercise, but like they get it. And what we're able to do then is take something because shame when it hits us, it feels overwhelming. And, and we have, we're not able, we're rarely able to observe it and do anything else with it. It just runs its course mm-hmm. and it's often a harmful course in the long run. And so to get that detailed about what you're feeling and where it is, you've taken something that's so abstract and you've made it almost tangible because you can locate right where that is inside of you and you've attached a color and a size and and all those things to it and that means it's now something you can deal with it's like oh i feel crappy oh it's that thing again i've had clients even name like name their their triggers um that they want to avoid and by choosing to move towards it like you're befriending it. You're not compartmentalizing it. You're not rejecting it. You're accepting it as part of you and and accepting it as part of you and all of your beauty and messiness as a human being. Um, That to me is a fundamental level of acceptance. And that's where then um, once we learn to sit with that discomfort, um, we gain a lot of power. I think that's real empowerment because we... I mean, in many ways, sexual, you know, around sexual topics in society for all people, but I, you know, my specialty area is women. And so as women, we're controlled in a lot of ways through our sexual shame, by sexually shaming us and judging us for our choices. And that keeps us small or it keeps us quiet and it keeps us scared. I mean it's it's brilliant <laughs> and you know it's horrible. And unfortunately that's a lot of uh of religious approaches um to sexual topics and and controlling women. And so when we are willing to move towards that discomfort and actually say yes to it, you know, and you could be like, I don't like you, but you're a part of me and so I'm gonna accept you and I'm gonna explore you and I'm gonna befriend you and I'm gonna know you and all your nuances. Um Even if you just, like I said, even if you can just do it for 30 seconds or a minute at a time, over time, you'll build emotional resilience to be able to sit with that discomfort and then actually make choices. Then, okay, who do, is this, okay, this is just a feeling. This doesn't, the story that's attached to it doesn't have to be true. I can, I can start rewriting my story. And that's what we get access to. When we can sit and move through our shame that way, we get access to actually rewriting our sexual stories because they've been written for us largely yeah, by society, by shitty experiences, um, you know, by things that were out of our control. And once we realize that um yeah, so I think my my book overall is is really a process of of um teaching women how to um uh, build the skills and give themselves permission to start rewriting their sexual stories mm-hmm. and figure out how do they want to be, you know, authentic in their sexuality but on their own terms. Mm-hmm.
1: So aligned with our podcast. <laughs> I know it's
0: it's almost like a book written for this podcast. The, the thing that I wanted, I wanted to share something that just, it came up for me while you were, while you were speaking. And I was totally with you listening the whole time. And I was like, this is probably an important thing to share. And, uh, I was assaulted by an Uber driver when I lived in LA Uh, and I had shared, it was, there was some shame in it. And I had totally shared with someone and someone in, when I was sharing the person that I chose to share with at the time said, what did you do? And I was oh, like, you. I, so then I became so kind of shrouded in in the the like, what did I do? And then I was not wanting to choose to share that with anyone else because I did start blaming myself. Like, oh, I should have been smarter. I should have, I should, I don't know, you know, should it, should in myself. And I think it's important for listeners out there that perhaps maybe have chosen to share their their shame with someone or their trauma with someone, and maybe it wasn't received, and so they've been wearing this thing. Yeah, it's just like that. That's the stuff. The stu- the work that that your book is offering to folks that perhaps have had shame. That be like, no, I just want to forget about that. I want to. Totally remove it from my memory while well, it's still there, and you're it's living in your DNA and so doing this type of work and embodied practices, which I have now realized you know uh, of course, thankfully um, through mindfulness and through a lot of work and the work that your book's describing, which I can't wait to read, it just came out by the way, so I will read it uh, now that it's out uh that it 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 can still be healed and it can be healed within yourself, but then you can also get a shame ally and and people that, you can trust to share the things that have happened that aren't going to be like what did you do? Because that's the shit that is just not helpful. And yeah, right. Isn't that I could
2: feel it. I could feel oh, that yeah. in my chest when you Oh said yeah. It.
0: I get my my I just got flushed. Like the yeah. it could be the margins want. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's real anger. It's, it is, yeah. it is real anger. So I just thought that was an important piece to share. It came up when you were speaking and I wanted to speak on that as well. Uh so uh but Jennifer, thank well, you for I, this work. It's really cool.
2: It's oh, so I was cool. going to say something else. Can I? No, please. No,
0: you can. Of course. I just wanted to thank you. Cause I like, oh, yeah. this is powerful for, and and I thank you. Yeah, thank you.
2: No, I was going to say what you said, like Brene Brown at the beginning of one of her books. Cause I, I quote her on quite a bit. And in my introduction and I was thrilled when I came across her work, like eight years ago, I was like, Oh, she's doing what I'm doing. And she's got the research to back it up. And I'm like, and I, you know, apply it to sex and intimacy. So, um, but that's what she talks about. Like we need to choose carefully who we want to be so vulnerable with to share our shame. Because in general, we handle that really badly because our, you know, somebody else's shame makes us uncomfortable. And then if we're not mindful and we don't have the skills to sit with that and create that safe space for someone else, we then further shame them. Mm-hmm. And I think around, you know, sexuality topics that happens all the time. I think so many women we've had experiences of things like that, where we're choosing to be vulnerable and authentic and then we get blamed for it in some way. Um, and then it it just further, you know, makes us want to put our heads in the sand because that is just to be that raw and to share something that personal. Um, and then, um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the fear of vulnerability. You let your armor down and you could be hurt at that level. That's why we have our armor up. (laughs) So, you know, if if you have a lot of armor up, you know, we need to find folks who are trustworthy Mm -hmm. and to be witnesses for our shame and to be able to create safe spaces for us and that they don't project their own shit on us. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So in that case too, we've said this in the podcast before, if you don't have folks that you, speaking to our listeners, if you don't have folks that you, cause I've met many, many people, I don't have anyone I can talk to about this kind of stuff. You know, my, my parents shame me. My friends have traditional perspectives. They shame me, you know, so there's plenty of those people. And that's when you know, we invite them to go work with professionals and there are people, you know, such as yourself, Jennifer, you know, Dr. <laughs> Jen and other folks where, where you, yes, you're, you know, you're, you're working closely with someone, but it still is serving as someone who can, you know, hear you and be a, you know, a loving sounding board or a guide or just, you know, a shoulder to lean on. Maybe you're not, you know, you're not always touching your therapist, no, but touching. no touching. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is available. There are people, I understand that. I understand that, you know, not everyone has um, a community where they can go and, share all of their vulnerability and all this hard stuff, but there's always ways. And now we have the internet where we can work with people online. And I'm sure you do that. You would do video calls with clients and mm-hmm. things
2: too now. Yeah, I just clients. Yeah.
1: So do you work with, so we tell us more about the people that you work with. Are you, are you taking clients and like, are you, well,
2: with- so I've, yeah, I had a, um, a while back, I had a really full practice and then I've slowly been in the past few years, letting it, um, dwindle. So I just have a really small private practice mm-hmm. Because I wanted to get my first book done <laughs> and published, and um, public speaking is my real passion, yeah. so I travel around the country and talk to, at universities about sexual consent and communication through the lens of mindfulness and compassion, and so like really looking at these awkward social situations in that gray area um, that I think so many sexual encounters live in. So, um, and you know, and then talking to other groups, Valentine's events, and intimacy, couples intimacy events, and. I do a sex game show with people and all sorts of stuff. So, um, the public speaking is my real passion and traveling around and doing that women's health conferences and all.
0: I smell a Ted talk. She already oh, has a Ted talk. Well, I have two, two oh, Ted talks. Oh,
2: perfect. I would like to do a real Ted talk. That's, that's definitely on the
0: bucket list. Mm. So the, Let's uh, put it out there right now into the, into the uh, infinity and beyond <laughs> Ted talk. You'd be amazing. I was just thinking you, ca- you definitely can captivate because uh, we see you on zoom, uh, people out there listening and only hear you, but you are very well-spoken and I would definitely love to hear your TED Talk Mm -hmm. and see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: there's something to be said about when someone has like a you can tell that public speaking is your passion because you can see a fire yeah. there I mean we're just you're sitting in your living room you know we're just having a conversation but there still is this fire there because you it sounds like you, you deeply feel it in your soul and your and your being um, so yeah I, I really really admire that I love seeing people who, who have, especially women who have, hold that women around sexuality too it's just we, we need it and especially when we're talking about this kind of stuff where, where women are stuffing there. Um their beliefs and thoughts and needs. And then you have know, women with fire who are like, fuck that. Nah, this is actually <laughs> there is another there is another path. And, yeah. um, and
2: a path with mindfulness and compassion. Because I think, you know, what we have a lot of is is loud voices and angry voices. And we have a right to be because we've been treated like shit for way too long. Yeah. Um and those voices need to be out there. But how do we because I as a sociologist, I'm always trying to bridge gaps. You know, I'm always trying to bridge, I'm like, okay, men were, you know. Traditionally men were raised with this masculinity and women with this femininity. How do we bridge these conversations? Because our our brains have been trained to look at things really differently and that's causing a lot of issues. So um, I'm always about like everybody has a voice and, you know, everybody has a version of the truth and how do we blend them together and make this fair um, and make sure everybody's voices matter. So um, which is tough around sex and intimacy um, because we feel so deeply about these topics or so deeply uncomfortable about them that we just want to shut down conversations. So I'm always trying to, to bridge those gaps um, and mindfulness and compassion are really great way to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love that mindfulness and compassion. Everyone, they don't have to be scared. M word and the, the C word. <laughs> compassion. I mean, compassion. I don't think compassion scares most people. I think mindfulness and meditation can because it's almost like a task. And compassion, right? Is a little, but there's so much gold in compassion. There's just
2: although some so people think it's a weakness, you know, mm, yeah. that if someone is has done bad things, you shouldn't have compassion for them because that means you're forgiving them or you're condoning what they're doing. Versus just realizing we are. Um, this sense of common humanity that we are all just want to be happy and free from suffering. And, you know, we have different paths in life, you know, in, you know, cause like when Trump was elected, I had just finished, thankfully the timing for me, at least personally was good. I mean, if there's ever a good timing for that, which there isn't, but <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear. Um, but I had just finished an eight week cultivating compassion class hmm. where I learned to sit with suffering, my suffering and the suffering of others. And then how do I, and then wanting to do something about it, and then how do I transform that into action or I- into compassion for myself at least, so I don't get stuck in the suffering? And so, and so I call compassion like empathy and action, and it was super helpful because I could actually step back and be like, ooh, Trump is not a happy man. Yeah. That is not a happy man. That is no doubt he is not having sex, at least not with his wife. And um, <laughs> and uh, we're all making the same facial expression. <laughs> yeah. and
0: that's the thing with med, I was, I was brought up in the Midwest and it was pretty conservative, but I was brought up to learn that I was taught, I should say, because I'm choosing sometimes what to learn, uh, that meditation was basically letting evil energy in and it was not to be done. Like you, you're letting in the evil, like you're opening yourself up to evil spirits to come in. I was like, what the fuck? It's a weird Wisconsin shit. It was some weird, <laughs> I don't even know if it was Wisconsin. It was just weird familial yeah, they just bullshit. they you know, that
2: thing like yoga is like a satanic cult or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I Which was, was like really interested I, <laughs> I, I have no idea.
0: And it was this weird, I had this weird... Uh, sort of affliction with meditation until I started practicing it and I realized how beneficial it was for my entire system. So
1: now she's meditating every morning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, now I meditate every morning. I feel if I, if I, and if I don't meditate, it's almost like I ate a Big Mac and, I, and which I haven't done it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't function. Like I need to be able to think clearly because so much is happening during the day. So it's it's all about being having an openness and hopefully folks listening have an openness because they're listening to this podcast. And then knowing that you can retrain and reframe the way that, not that you are, you'll always be who you are. Some of the beliefs though that you may have, the, the traditions, the the things that we've that have been maybe dropped on us that weren't a choice. So anyway, it doesn't... uh, I don't have the evil demons in me. (laughs) And I meditate. So anyway... (laughs) So how can people basically buy your book cuz it's out now is it in all the on like Amazon I'm sure it has yeah, it Yeah so okay. on
2: Amazon um it's online on Barnes and Noble too I just stopped by my local Barnes and Noble and felt it, found it on the shelf there which was a lovely experience to
0: nice. see yes. <laughs>
2: And, um, yeah, so some local bookstores are carrying it, but certainly online folks can get it. They can also, my website is my hub for everything. So drjensden.com it's D-R-J-E-N-N-S-D-E-N.com. So, um, folks can find links on there. My TEDx talks are there. I have a personal consent violation story that I share on there. That's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, links to my YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of that stuff. That's my hub.
0: I want you to be on our podcast every day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now a new one for you. This is Dr. <laughs> Joan again.
1: <laughs> your own do, podcast. We uh, oh, tell yeah. where they can listen to your podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have
2: a podcast called sex talk with sex talk with Clint and the doc. So Clint August is a uh, local radio personality here in San Diego for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And him and I've been doing a podcast for almost the past year. So folks can find that again through my website, it's through iHeartRadio, but it's on most podcasting apps. They can find it on there.
0: Well, I'm going to check that out. Thank you. Dr. Jen, you are so amazing. And we really hope that you listeners enjoyed this as much as I have enjoyed talking with Dr. Jen. Uh, remember, if you haven't drank wine from Margins, you should. and you drink wine, check it out. Go to marginswine.com. Amy and I have been huge fans for over almost two years. I think over two years. I'm really bad with time. So uh, forever. <laughs> and go to marginswine.com. See why we love it so much. All right, y'all, we love you always and forever. I'm all about the uh, superl- superlatives and what what are those called words? Uh, forever, Adults. never. What are they called? Oh, oh no. Absolutes those. right Absolutes. now. Thank yeah. you. Probably <laughs> there probably is. That's fine. All right. Check us out on iTunes. Give us five stars, too, if you haven't done so already. We read every review, sometimes with accents, sometimes just with love. All right, y'all. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at
1: shamelesssex.com for more. And for fifteen percent off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.